Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn, so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. Welcome to the sixth episode in the special series, Reinventing Hybrid Learning Events with the Learning Ideas Conference 2022. In this episode, we discuss some important considerations on how to design the physical space of a hybrid event. To truly bridge the in-person and online experience, there are key ways of designing the space, technology, and professional support to blend those experiences. We discuss how and why it's important to think about space differently in the hybrid world. In-person events are slowly returning, and the future is hybrid. Creating a successful hybrid class, conference, or meeting requires new skills. In this collaboration with the Learning Ideas Conference of 2022, we explore the different aspects of how to create successful hybrid event. In the months leading up to the conference, we follow the journey of the Learning Ideas Conference as they prepare a new hybrid experience for June of 2022. The Learning Ideas Conference is dedicated to reimagining education and workplace learning, using new technologies to provide us with new opportunities. With the goal to always innovate, in 2022, the Learning Ideas Conference is creating new approaches to hybrid experiences and exploring what collaboration and networking could be in a hybrid environment. In this special series of the Art and Science of Learning podcast, we will follow the progress of creating this new hybrid experience, discuss the best practices in the field, and share useful tips on creating successful hybrid events. I'm very happy to have back on the podcast the founder of the Learning Ideas Conference. Dr. David Goralnik is president and CEO of Kaleidoscope Learning and a consultant specialized in the use of technology to improve job performance. He is also the current president of the International eLearning Association and founder and chair of the Learning Ideas Conference, as well as an adjunct professor at Columbia University. David has created the first e-learning experience authoring tool and the award-winning Watch, Rate, and Compare e-learning approach. David has won over 200 awards in the e-learning industry, and his unique approach to his consulting and project work has saved over $2 billion due to improved employee performance for Fortune 500 and multinational clients such as Target, IBM, GE, Time Warner, and many others. David focuses his deep knowledge of the industry to reimagine learning in the higher education and the workplace. Thank you very much, David, for coming back on the podcast. It's great to have you. Thanks so much. It's great to be back. Continuing our series of hybrid and how to create hybrid events. uh, It's been really fantastic to hear all the different aspects of it. And now, actually, we're getting closer and closer to the conference in June. And we're going to talk about space and the physical space in which it is and how we what kind of considerations you need to make it a good space for hybrid event. But before we jump in, can you tell me how are things going with the planning of the conference? Where are are you at? Sure. No, things are, things are coming together, which is, which is good because it's not that far away. We have, you know, we've got three great keynotes um, with Ian Bogost from Washington University in St. Louis, who's a a well-known game designer and overall technology writer is a contributing editor for the Atlantic. So a lot of people have, have actually read Ian 
Um, and he's a great speaker. Ryan Baker, who's director of the Center for Learning Analytics at Penn and is fantastic and one of the world's leading experts in learning analytics. And Antonella Poche, who is a longtime conference speaker and keynote speaker and just a wonderful person who is also an expert on critical thinking and museum education. And this is all kinds of fascinating things to talk about. And she's coming to us from Rome. So really excited about the keynotes. We have about 100 sessions overall, 100 different talks. Um, Two big panel discussions, one uh, focused more on workplace learning in the hybrid world and one uh, more generally on learning technology and society. So there are a lot of different pieces, a lot of different things going on, all coming together. I'm really uh, just just really pleased with the, uh, the level of speakers that we have uh, again this year and the participation that we're getting. That's great. And I'm really looking forward to being there in New York and participating in the in-person version. But of course, there's the online version as well, which you're bringing together really beautifully. And just to also highlight the fact that people can still register either online or in person. And of course, the link is in the in the show notes. Great. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Keep registering and uh, there's still definitely ways to participate. So yes, thank you. Great. And so let's talk about sites at the actual physical sites. So can you tell me a little bit about where the conference is going to take place in the physical sense? Sure. The, um, the venue for the conference is a conference center on Columbia's campus. It's called Faculty House. The venue that we've used most of the years of the conference. So this is a venue that we've used since 2010. So we did the first couple couple of conferences starting in 2008 and did those elsewhere on campus. But this has been our, our venue since 2010, with the exception of the last two years when we were online only. So it's a venue that we're familiar with. It's a really, it's a really nice conference center that kind of had combined, you know, the the old university feeling with modern technology and all of that. So it's a really nice place and a comfortable place to have a conference. We're very familiar with the rooms and the setup for an in-person only conference. And we've really had a, a similar setup you know, with minor changes for the years that we've, we've done this. And the rooms had been you know, reserved in advance. So then we did have some, some different things to think about when it came to setting up for this year. So what are those considerations? Because the whole idea is often hybrid is considered as there's the in-person and then you put everything online. But the point is that you really bring it together so that the experience is very similar to the people online as it is for the people in the room. So in terms of the site, how was your site visit? And what were some of the thoughts that you were considering now that it has to be a hybrid event? No, so we did recently go up and, and walk through the site and it was actually our first time there and um, really, you know, three years. It feels, you know, I think we all kept saying two years for a while, but we skipped two because the pandemic's really been in three years since we've... And um, there are really two general areas, I think, that are very, very different in doing a hybrid conference. One is dealing with the space itself to uh, better handle the online talks and make them feel like a full part of the conference. And the second then behind the scenes is, is the staffing model that we need to support that because it is different. And I guess really the third is technology. There's additional technology as well. So staffing and tech, I guess, are kind of one, one group. In terms of the space itself, what we've ended up with is, you know, a lot of that also was sort of a, a semi-late decision because we needed to understand from our speakers who was really going to be able to come in person versus who was going to present virtually, and we needed to give people time to figure that out and make that decision. So we didn't really know that till till early April. What we ended up with was at any given time, generally we will have, when there are parallel sessions going on, we'll have three in-person talks going on and three or four online talks going on. So there's a lot of different parallel sessions. And so we have four rooms that we're accustomed to using and then some peripheral rooms. So there's, you know, so four rooms for talks that we have. And, and there are ways to expand, but they're not as convenient. These rooms are all contiguously located. It's very easy to move from one talk to the next. 
the registration coffee break area is pretty much in the center of that. So it's a really nice in-person hub for the conference and you kind of want to try to not lose that. So what we're able to do is take one of the larger rooms and make that the online talk room. So we'll have three rooms for the in-person talks, one of which is big enough to continue to hold the plenary sessions. And then sort of the, the other large room, so the second large room after the plenary room, going to be broken up into four segments for the online talks. And so we went through a lot of discussions about getting appropriate seating and figuring out how we're going to do it. And the venue is going to find through a vendor that they use. So we're still, still waiting for sort of the finalization on this, at least reasonably soundproof panels that will split the larger room into breaks. So one of the nice things about this venue is they have these portable walls that can kind of come down or, or, or go up and so you can make room bigger or smaller, but we're beyond that. Okay, so that's, you know, what we what we need here is is sort of more smaller rooms. We're not going to have that many people in person at any particular online talk when there's so many things going on. There'll be a mix of online and in-person people, but we want to have enough room for people to sit. They want to sit enough soundproofing that you won't hear the sound from one talk in the next, you know, in the next room over, you know, without having kind of a full wall. So that's really what we ended up with. And that's the plan. And so we're waiting to kind of see the panels and, you know, make sure they do what we, what we need and break up the rooms nicely. But that's, that is one way or another, that's how it's going to, it's going to work. So we'll have the three individual, totally separate doors closed rooms for the in-person talks. And then the online talks will have um, these panels sort of separating one from the next so that, that you don't hear what's going on in the next one and that there's, there are plenty of places to sit and that it's clear what you're there for, right? So it really will look like, you know, this is room four, this is where talk in stream four is going to be. And there's no wondering, you know, is this talk happening? Is this online? Where is it? It's going to be treated, except for having a little bit smaller space, the same way as an in-person talk. We spoke about that in the previous episode where, when we talked about the fact that in order to make it a very similar experience, you're showing the, the online talks, you're showing them in a room so people can sit and, and participate in it as if it were in person. And there's different ways that you're making the online participation also much more aligned. But in terms of the space and the rooms, I mean, you said that you soundproofed it. So you made sure that there's diff, you know splitting of the paneling and there's soundproofing. But what are some of the other considerations that you needed to think through in order to make this hybrid event a combined, truly combined in-person and online? Yeah, well, for, first, I mean, just within the um, sort of the space and technology related issues, there's the technology per point and the, and the staffing point. So one thing is that when you have these additional sessions, there's more, you know, the technology needs go up, right? And also because all sessions are hybrid, right? So, you know, all sessions are broadcast online and, and, and you know, available in person. Mm -hmm. So that means that every one of the seven different spaces has a laptop and a projector and an appropriate setup for microphones and speakers so that people online can hear questions from the audience that's in person. People in person can hear questions from the audience that are online if anybody speaks rather than chats. Everything is connected to the laptop so it gets broadcast you know, through the, the web conferencing software. Um, so there are a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of pieces to that. And, you know, a couple that we're still kind of figuring out, like in this space, do we use a projector? Or do we have just a big monitor? And is that going to be easier for people to see? So there's still a couple of minor things working out, but those are, you know, there's a, that's something that now goes in every single room. And in an in-person event, we, we had laptops and projectors, we had those things, but we didn't really go 
you know, beyond that. And for a hybrid event, of course, you know, we had only the only the online version. Everybody's in front of their webcam at home, and the webcams are not something we had to worry about, other than testing speakers in advance to make sure that they had a, a you know a setup that was a setup in a network that worked. So we have that, and then that adds to then the level of staff. So what we're doing in terms of staff is every session always has a session chair whose job is to introduce the speakers and make sure things are on time and monitor questions and ask questions and this is always someone from from the field so someone from you know usually another conference participant or someone at least in a you know in the in in the online learning field what we're doing now is pairing them with another person who's going to be responsible for the technology background. So they're doing the back end, you know, it's not a, a high IT job, but it's a it's a job of somebody who really has to pay attention to the microphone setup and the speaker setup and make sure the speakers are really visible. The speaker, the person speaking to separate them from the technical speakers is easy, you know, can hear them and they can hear everyone and monitor the chat. And so there's a whole lot of that sort of, you know, level of tech assistance that we need now in every room. And that's that was a new thing as well. So all of that was part of getting just the, the setup so that we could treat all of the talks, you know, essentially the same in that way. And in terms of the actual room, you're using the same rooms that you did when it was an in-person event, with all of this technology, and also the fact that you're filming it. And it, it's not just a, a webcam that is on the person's laptop. Did you have any issues in anything related to the space that you wish you would have thought about before, maybe? Certainly, there were things to think about. You know, we contemplated whether we should expand into additional space within the venue for some of the sessions and ended up not finding that to be to our advantage. I mean, you know, there obviously always are a bunch of issues as well. But in this case, it was really more that we didn't want any of the talks to be outside of the same floor that the other talks are on, mm -hmm. right? So the way the space, the way this particular space happens to be structured, there's only so much physical space on one floor. And so if we spill over to a second floor, then there's a lot of moving around from floor to floor, but also uh, people tend to kind of, uh, we actually did this once with the in-person conference when we had more talks and really need more space. And the, the talks that were sort of on the, the floor that's not the main one where the coffee breaks and reception didn't get as much traction. It was just harder. You know, it just took more. If you wanted to go to that talk badly, you would go. But if you, <laughs> you know, if you didn't really feel it strongly enough, you wouldn't or you would start to go and people would get sidetracked in the conversation. And then it would be, oh, my God, it's 2.31 and the stuff started at 2.30. I'm just going to go to this talk. Right? Yes. And so we wanted. So that was a constraint that we did. We did contemplate, should we do something else? And with this particular venue, didn't find a better structure. We also actually looked at switching floors. The venue has three different floors that we could use. And we settled on, on one particular floor as the main one. Another one we use for lunch and some other things. And another one we use for drinks one night. But basically, there's one where all the talks are. We explored whether we should look at the structures of the other floors and whether they would be better and, and determine that they were not, in fact, better. If we planned this in advance as a hybrid conference from the very beginning, you know, I think it probably would have been nice to have a venue with more discrete spaces on the same floor. And I don't know how easy that is to find, you know, even to reserve this, we've reserved years in advance when New York's have. It's something we'll consider, I think, for next year. I mean, this is the way, this is the way we're going to be moving forward. And, you know, we will look at other options, maybe on campus, maybe elsewhere. I think the odds are probably unlikely that there'll be anything that's at this point exactly made for us. You know, can, can you imagine a world in which our model becomes more of the norm and venues start to try to structure themselves so they have more mini rooms that are kind of going to have, you know, a mix, you know, a heavier online contingent versus in-person, maybe. I don't know how quickly that's going to happen. I don't know. Right. That's, you know, beyond, beyond what we can exactly fully influence, uh, at least directly. So 
but but that is something that you know had we planned in advance we might have looked at some other venue options that we weren't aware of here it's just a little bit different when you take a step back and think about you know what everything is going to be at the same time we also really badly want to have the same in-person experience that we've had when we were only in person right so yes. in terms of food in terms of networking in-person opportunities and in terms of the overall feel of the conference and the space and you know all of those things. So we we really badly did not want to lose that. We want to only add to it and include the people who are participating virtually. So a lot of a lot of different things to weigh and it's always a little easier to default to the things that you've done in the past. But we did, I think, pretty significantly explore maybe more radical changes than one might think to the space that we have, although we in the end decided uh, not to make radical changes to the space other than, you know, these sort of more incremental change of breaking up this this one larger room um, that previously would have been used for in-person talks and breaking that up uh, because it was a larger room into into the space for the for the virtual talks. Right. No, that's a very good thing to consider. And it's interesting how spaces will change as we become more and more hybrid and learn how to integrate. But having those smaller spaces can be of real benefit and sometimes even small private place spaces where which some workplaces have now developed where you can interact just with your laptop and have a bit of a quiet space, something to consider. Yeah, absolutely. There are fortunately some places in our venue where people can kind of hang out and do that if they want. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, you can imagine it may happen. It'll be actually interesting to see what does happen. Will people hang out downstairs for a while, a little bit away from the conference? There's kind of a lounge area that usually people can, if it's not used, usually the, you know, the venue lets people just kind of sit there. Would somebody decide to sit down there and basically have a virtual conference experience for an hour or so where maybe there'll be online checking some email, but also watch one of the talks with their headphones. I, I, I mean, maybe. And yes. you know. it will be an interesting thing to observe how people react and how people behave in this environment Absolutely. and interact. Absolutely. So in terms of the room, I mean, you've made adjustments in terms of the spaces and in the future, you would be something that would be a positive thing to have smaller rooms and more rooms in order to accommodate some of the online talks. But in terms of the technology, there's so much more technology that needs to be added. Was there something in the physical space that needed an adjustment or that you would like to make an adjustment for in the future? Oh, that's, no, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, most of the technology issues were really just, you know, more. <laughs> like, we really just need more. One thing that's interesting is that the venue is very nicely set up with projection screens in all the rooms that they just pull down. And so that's something that we don't have in these sort of cobbled together spaces that we're splitting. So there, you know, we have two options or we have three options, actually. They can provide portable screens, which will totally look fine. And probably nobody will really, other than people who listen to this podcast, will even know that there was ever another possibility. Um, We can also decide to buy and bring some of those. It's not something we have, uh, I don't think, but something that we can bring. Or we can decide that rather than the projector and screen for these smaller spaces will use large monitors, which are, you know, pretty easy to come by and not. The days of the large plasma screens that weighed, I know, seemingly a hundred more, more pounds are, are over. And so it's it's easy relatively to get for our team to transport this kind of stuff. So those are all options, but that is a, you know, it is a change. We certainly, it, it is clear that we're using a space that's not really originally built for this kind of thing. And that might open up opportunities in the future. The other thing actually, interestingly, that we talked about relating to the space was whether it was how we should do the seating because they do have the option at the venue of seats with sort of tables behind, um, in front of them, which might be nice because then people could be on their laptops. We did end up electing against that because they're just the tables were just taking up too much space. So we kind of 
played out the possibilities and felt that there just weren't going to be enough seats in the room if we did it that way. But it was an interesting thing. And you could imagine other furniture options that would be offered down the line that would be a little bit more flexible because I think, you know, people often do like to have devices, especially with this, would someone want to be on their laptop asking a question in the chat? Possibly, right? I mean, you know, that you can obviously still do that the old fashioned way. We will have a tech person there and a chair there. So you can ask the question, someone can say it verbally, or someone can then type it for you. You can type on your phone if you prefer it. But there are, you know, I, I can imagine cases where the ideal is for something like this, you're on your laptop in the chat as if you were a virtual participant. And that's a little harder to do because your laptop would have to be on your actual lap. Right. It's, it's something to consider very carefully, isn't it? Because if you're in person and there's someone giving a talk and then what they see is, is a room full of people on their laptops, that might also really break the connection and break the, the flow. So how do you try to engage so that there is maximum amount of engagement and, and conversation both online and in person and to combine those, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we're also thinking a little bit about the cases where maybe for one reason or another, there aren't that many in-person participants at a talk and more of the participants are online. So you kind of also don't really want to show an empty room might be, you know, feel a little depressing. You may have quite a number of people on your talk, but it looks like you don't. And so there's a lot of considerations here. I know when I've given online only talks, it's sometimes a challenge because you just wonder who's there is anyone out there right exactly. you know like like i see names so i hope they're there but are they you know are they really there are they really listening i didn't hear anybody laugh like what happened exactly if the, the speaker is in person then do you also put up visuals of the people who are online and create that more in-person experience where you can see who's there and see how they're reacting no that's i mean that's certainly something that that happens kind of normal zoom call and right. then on the other hand with you know with the conference talk to generally, you know, people have slides and you're more focused on the slides. So you kind of want the screen to be mostly slides, but it does raise some, some issues and some issues about like whether you try to shift that around a little bit more. And then on, on sort of the, not really the other side, I think we're, we've had more than two sides, but uh, the a different angle is also that you'll have people who won't want to be seen as participants, right. right? I think that's, I mean, I often tend to prefer that as a participant, if I'm watching someone's talk I don't necessarily want to be on camera. It's just sort of like I'm, I'm on camera a lot when I'm speaking and then I'm focused on what I'm doing. I don't know yes. if I want to be on camera in a situation when I'm not thinking about it. I might get up, I might move around, I might make weird faces. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessary. And so yes. there's that too, like to try to think a little bit about how to make it really clear that people are there and paying attention when they are, when they're not visible because, you know, when from their standpoint, they probably, you know, some of them aren't going to want to be visible for, for that. Absolutely. It's important to think through what, I mean, when we're talking about space, we're talking about space, the amount of technology that now, the extra amount of technology that now needs to be in that space, the additional people that need to be there to facilitate both the technology and then, of course, the people who are facilitating the talk, but also the behaviors, the behaviors of how do we interact? How do people want to engage when there are those online and in person? And how do these different audiences want to engage are all important considerations in this. So was there something that surprised you when you were when you're going through the site visit and also when you were thinking through all these different issues? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, mean, I think the, t- the two things that were, you know, maybe not entirely surprising, but certainly were significant and, and you know, maybe even more so than we imagined were both really figuring out the, the space for the online talks in the right way. And then the 
you know, the, the sort of massive addition of staff and technology, you know, mm. I think was, it, I mean, it's not like we didn't really know, but it's kind of when you, when you go through the the walkthrough and you've, you know, you've thought through these things, but when you kind of see it in all, all in one, it kind of hits a little bit different. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, there's, we need a lot more in-person staff because the conference is also virtual. And mm-hmm. that's kind of a funny statement to say. Yes, right? and, absolutely. You know, but it's very much true and, and things that were kind of more easily run essentially on their own when everybody was in person, have an extra layer um, to incorporate online. Like, you know, everybody's, you know, everybody's a TV broadcaster now. And so, yeah, so I think that, you know, the, the certainly the level of additional staff, like when you start really like bringing people on and conferences, making lists of, of who's going to do what, like that becomes, you know, it adds another level of work and it really just kind of hits you like how much more involved in that way this this is um, absolutely it's just a lot more to coordinate and a lot more people to coordinate yes a lot more to coordinate and also considering all the i mean even things like sound you know and now you you had a microphone possibly for the people in the audience now you must make sure that that also translates well into the online so that the online participants can hear the questions and hear what's being asked participating in a lot of hybrid realize that actually that often gets missed what is the audience, physical audience, actually asking? We've discussed a few different aspects that are different and things that you had to consider and make adjustments for. What do you think are some of the top things that someone planning a hybrid event, what should they be really thinking about in terms of the space? What should they be looking for and planning for when they're looking at the space that it's going to take place in? I mean, I think, um, I mean, the big things that came up for us were, I mean, certainly, first of all, just what spaces do you want to use for the virtual talks and, and how do you want those configured and how can you make the best use of the space that you have or possibly acquire additional space. You know, usually I think you're kind of at a point where you've got something, but how can you make the best use of space to accommodate both audiences? And so it's a different perspective to think of it from from that of of both audiences rather than that of an in-person event with some hybrid stuff attached. And we're very, Mm -hmm. very careful to not do that. I've heard other people's experiences of conferences where, you know, they feel like it's two different events, you know, like, do do you even know that there's an online conference going on? Do the online people even really feel part of the in-person conference? And and we're really trying very hard to, to integrate. So one thing about the space is simply, you know, what, how do you want to lay out the space for everything, but particularly with a focus on the virtual sessions so that they do feel fully integrated and you have places for in-person attendees to, you know, choose a talk that's virtual the same way they would choose a talk that's in person. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, the second part is trying to think through what the networking is going to be like. And that's something that we're still continuing to experiment with. You know, we have an online networking component that we're going to have, but then also there is there is sort of naturally some in-person networking that just happens as it should and does. You know, you're standing online for coffee or you, you're, you're milling around, you see someone and they look familiar. And I mean, those are things that are this stage not as easy to capture with the mixed audience, but we want to try to find ways to encourage people to interact more with the people who are not physically in attendance and, and ideally with people who they also have not met before, if that's something that those people want, right? So there's a little bit there too. And so there's, you know, there's some more thinking, you know, if we had an ideal space, there might be more areas for people to really sit and be online. You know, there are places people can do that, but they're a little bit more ad hoc because the space was not designed for that. The space was designed, every aspect of the space itself, the conference center was designed for people to be physically there. That's, you know, that's what it's for. And, you know, it kind of reminds me in a certain sense of, um, I was working with IBM as a client way back when they were kind of early adopters of the move away from coming to the office every day. I mean, this was really back in like the 90s when I started seeing that where they had people who would, you know, partly because they were at clients. So it's partly for consultants who were at clients. So it wasn't, people were not working from home. But the idea was, you know, up until that point, everybody had 
an officer cube. And they were moving away from that, I think before most people were, to the idea of shared space. So, you know, they had, you know, laptop docking stations and ways to get you set up more quickly to take advantage of a space for the day. And, you know, you wouldn't have your own bookshelves because, well, you didn't really need books, I guess, as much because <laughs> everything was online already. That's so, right. but those were different decisions and it was a very different use of space. It was considered, you know, fairly new at the time. And I feel like we're at that point with events now. You know, I feel like we're at the point now where everyone's going to be rethinking a little bit, you know, what can you do with the space? What should you do with space? What other purposes, you know, faculty house where we are, I think was, was, you know, pretty early in the idea of multiple size spaces. Three of the rooms that we normally use are, you know, can be one room. So if you have lots of people for an event, which usually would be more of a, a sit down kind of event, they can break, you know, they can, they can do that. Sometimes they'll even do that. They'll have things in the evenings that are different style events than we have. And then they put the walls back up. So I think they were really early and in, in doing that very, very well, but there's now a new level to get to. So it's, you know, it's more subdivisions, it's more, you know, maybe more flexible spaces and maybe some different technology things that, that they would want to put in, in an event venue. So we have relied pretty much on our own technology, right? So from a technology standpoint, in the main room for the planet, which will have the plenary sessions and, and always one of the parallel sessions, you know, that's the largest room. It will have the large speakers that go into the soundboard and the microphones go into the soundboard. And then the soundboard is going to connect to the broadcast system and our guy who's filming is going to connect to the broadcast system. And, you know, there's a whole lot to kind of do, but everything else really is ours. Laptops are ours, the projectors are ours and all the smaller rooms there's really no technology in there that's that's really available to us or or necessary. So it's all it's it's a different thing. It's our laptops, our webcams, our microphones, connecting everything. And I would imagine a world in which spaces make that a lot easier, provide more of that built in so somebody, you know, doesn't have to bring as many different things and starts to maybe have technology available that is, you know, a little bit different from the kind of technology as it has been for an event space. Like there's kind of a, a merging of what broadcasting means and what events mean, right? Like it wasn't so long ago that if you're going to be on television, you're going to go to the TV studio and you're going to have a makeup person and you're going to sit yeah. on the set. And, and, you know, the idea that you would be on a on real television, not like cable access, but on real television, any other way was insane. You know, now how many people's dogs and cats have we gotten to see on TV <laughs> in the past two years? It's just That's normal. Right. right? Yes. And, you know, I think the same is in a certain sense happening with event sites or should happen with event sites that they, you know, the technology that used to be impossible is now possible. And also the expectations that people have as a viewer and as a participant virtually are a little bit different, you know? Right. So, I mean, we want everything to look great, but there's a little bit of a, an informality now that's that's become the norm. Absolutely. And I think it's actually much more comfortable in, in a lot of ways. And so yes. those things are all new and, and different. And I think there's the possibility for spaces to become more flexible, both physically and in terms of the technology to start to support the, the types of events that I think we're, you know, that we're trying to, to have even in the space that exists. And I think will only become more the norm in the future. A lot to think through and to consider. But as you said, it's transitioning and it's it's becoming more interesting and more flexible for people. So that's that's a really good thing. So thank you for sharing these important aspects of something that we took for granted, which is the physical space in which we're going to have an event. But there's a lot to consider. There's a lot more people, more technology, different types of spaces because we're interacting differently. So it's very important for people to think that through when they're when they're making these plans. Fantastic. So what's next for the conference? What is the next step? The conference is a month away. What are you working on? Yeah, still, I mean, still some some things to do. Um, biggest thing is finalizing and rolling out our event site and getting that 
you know, so people can sort of start getting familiar with it, um, at least with a little bit of time before the conference. It's not anything that should take a lot of familiarity, but just so people can get to play around and just know what to expect and also get to start networking a little bit if they want to do that in advance. On the sort of inside internal side, there's still still a lot of, of planning and, and finalizing the staffing, you know, with, with so many different people, which means that there are a lot of people who aren't necessarily, you know, full time year round, but a lot of people who are working just the, you know, the days of the conference and maybe some before that. And some other internal things that our team is doing, getting, um, they'll soon be getting uh, speakers uh, who are going to be speaking online, testing them and just getting to see their setup and setting up those, you know, sort of brief uh, run through meetings and that kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, and some other things with it, you know, with sort of the additional staff to get them familiar with the environment and, and everything that they're going to do. So there's a lot to, to sort of ramp up that kind of just by definition has to be closer to the conference in an event like this. Uh, to, Wonderful. You know, it's coming, it's coming together. The program has been out for a while now. The, the talks are set, the panels are set, uh, everything's in, you know, everything is in uh, order in that way. And, um, you know, people are continuing to register for the conference and you know, more and more attendees and uh, programs in, in really good shape. And I'm delighted with the, the people that we have speaking and, and participating. So really, it will be very fun. interesting. I mean, looking at the speakers and the program, I know it will be a really, really interesting talks and a lot of interesting people there to talk about issues that are very pressing to everyone. Oh, learning in the workplace, online learning. These are all topics that will be discussed. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing uh, another aspect of a hybrid event and really, really good points to take away when, when planning such events. So thank you, David, again, for joining me. Thanks so much. It's great to talk to you as always. Thank you.